Chapter Eight of the Adventures of Tommy Post Office: The True Story of a Cat by Gabriel E. Jackson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Michael Fascio. Chapter Eight: Tommy's Ordeal by Fire. June, with its roses and soft air, had come. Birds were building their nests in the leafy branches of the trees in the post office park, and Tommy was on the alert for the unwary ones. In the upper part of the city another nest was being built, indeed was almost completed, and friends of those who would occupy it were adorning it with all sorts of contributions. Great interest in this particular nest was manifested by the boys at the post office, and they were anxious to be represented. Heads were put together in conference, and great plans evolved. At length a decision was made. A handsome life-size photograph of Tommy Post Office should be taken, the picture artistically framed, and sent to the nest with the compliments of the boys. Robert Weston was to be kept in ignorance of their intention. Barbara still called him Uncle Bobbert in secret but had given Aunt Mary her promised word that the name should not be even breathed in public until after June 30. All went well until the day arrived for photographing the cat. He was conveyed to the finest photographer in town, but lost his temper and root, for the basket suggested cat shows, and Tommy had had all he cared to have of those. However, the studio was reached in time, and the first attempt made, a lack a day, they might as well have tried to photograph a swallow. The instant the instrument was pointed at Tommy, he was somewhere else. Had the camera been an infernal machine, he could not have regarded it with greater distrust. More than an hour was spent in futile endeavor, and then the photographer gave up in disgust. So that plan fell through. Next to be adopted was a snapshot, a small picture so taken to be enlarged later. So far so good. The plan was all right. The only stumbling block was the cat. Of the half-dozen attempts, the first got him with Richard's grinning face for a background, which was obviously inappropriate. The second showed Tommy with three heads. The third, no head at all. The fourth managed to capture his hind legs in a rampart bottle brush of a tail as he fled the premises. The fifth captured as dour-looking a beast as anyone could conceive of. For one of the boys, carefully concealed behind some drapery, held him, and Tommy resented the indignity. Number six showed him fast asleep, the only one anything like him. But, as one of the boys said, we could get any old cat that way. We want Tommy as he looked at the show. There's luck in number seven, was Dan's reassuring remark, and so it seemed, for number seven proved a great success, although Tommy had to pass through a chastening process before he was sufficiently subdued to sit for his portrait, as a cat should. A morning or two later, one of the clerks arrived upon the scene, armed and equipped with a fine new Kodak, and announced his determination to snap that cat or kill him. He nearly succeeded in his latter threat, but failed for the time being to carry out the former. It was a wonder that anything went as it should have gone in the registry department of the Hartford Post Office during that day, for work was dropped, and the Kodak hastily caught up every time Tommy's whiskers appeared around a corner. Noon came and passed without a picture being taken, and then he vanished entirely. "'Ben, have you seen Tommy during the last two hours?' 
asked the registry clerk with some spirit as he gathered up his papers to lock them in the safe before taking his departure that evening. "'No, sir, not a sign of him. Guess he's hid away from your machine there,' answered Ben, pointing to the Kodak. "'I'd like to hide him somewhere, that rascal that he is.' And the clerk slammed the safe door shut. "'It's no use to try again tonight. I'll bring the Kodak with me in the morning. Good night.' "'Good night, sir. Better luck tomorrow. The night shift of clerks missed Tommy. Lunch hour came and passed, yet he failed to appear for his midnight feast. The engineer called and whistled in vain as he sat with his back to the partition of the engine room, and waited for Tommy to come running along the top of it to drop upon his shoulder and claim the tidbit always saved for him. No Tommy materialized. At eight o'clock the following morning the registry clerk returned, armed with his keys and his Kodak. After placing the latter carefully upon his desk, he unlocked the various drawers containing the materials needed for the day, and at last threw open the safe door. Lying with his nose to a crack, apparently lifeless, was Tommy Post Office. He picked up the limp little figure and ran to the door with him, half the force of the clerks hurrying behind, for the evil news flew like a flash. "'He's a goner for sure this time,' cried one. "'Looks like it.' cried another. "'How under the sun did I ever manage to lock him in that safe and not know it?' was the registry clerk's perplexed query. "'But he crawled in behind the big books to hide from your Kodak,' suggested one of the men. "'That's it, just as sure as you live. Run over to the drug store for a bottle of smelling salts, Mac. Hustle. We'll bring him out to life if there's a spark of it left in him. Bring a pail of water, Ben.' Orders flew, and so did the men. Such a small matter as the United States mail could wait. What was that compared to the life of the post office cat? Cold water, smelling salts, fresh air, and vigorous massage had their effect, and before long Tommy began to gasp. The small life engine within him began to throb once more, and the pumps got in action. He opened his eyes, blinked at the men once or twice, attempted to get upon his feet, wobbled, and tumbled over with a look of resignation to the inevitable. They carried him back into the building, heated some milk, and fed him. Evidently the milk had a stimulating effect, for in an hour or so he seemed quite as well as ever, although by no means as lively. "'Now's my chance,' cried the registry clerk. A cloth was hastily thrown over a bench. Tommy was carefully lifted upon it, stroked, and petted into a most beautific flame of mind, and the Kodak brought into range. Evidently Tommy's heart was swelling with gratitude to his friends, for he beamed upon them like a man who has been convivial, and feels good. A snap, a click, and the deed was done. When the 30th of June dawned, a fine photograph of a finer cat stood in his handsome frame amongst many other beautiful wedding gifts in Mrs. Westfield's drawing-room. It was fortunate for the bride-elect that her wedding day had not been set for July 30th instead of June or she would never have numbered among her gifts a picture of the handsome cat. Robert Weston and his wife were still absent upon their wedding trip, when Dan was taken seriously ill and his place temporarily filled by another man, as surly, disagreeable a creature as ever trod the earth. From the outset he was cordially disliked by everyone, and more than one of the post office employees predicted that trouble would follow in his footsteps. It came all too soon. He was doing night duty, about ten days after his installation, 
and at the usual luncheon hour was seated in Dan's chair, tilted back against the partition in Dan's own attitude, and regaling himself upon a choice morsel. More than once while at luncheon during the past ten days he had driven Tommy from the engine-room, for he hated cats as he hated every living thing. Tommy had kept at a respectful distance, but to-night the engineer had something in his dinner-pail which the cat could not resist. He scrambled to the partition from the rear end of the cellar, trod noiselessly along the top of it until he was just above the man, and then dropped upon his shoulders, as he had hundreds of times dropped upon good-natured Dan's. Woe to poor Tommy! This man and Dan were very different individuals. There was a startled yell, a curse, an overturned chair, a lunch-pail rolling upon the floor, and an insanely enraged man. The next instant a horrible thing happened. Tommy was caught up and hurled bodily into the glowing ash-pit beneath the boilers. End of chapter 8